Welcome back in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very special guest joining us today. We have the performer Maria Connor joining us to talk to us about her new show based on her book, Girl Shock, From Straight to Fabulous to Naughty. You can get her book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, and on her website. But make sure, more importantly, you come out to see her show, which is based on the book, Friday and Saturday, June 23rd and 24th at 9.30 p.m. at Pangea. You can get your ticket to more information by visiting her website, mariaconnor.com, and that's Connor with a K. So why don't we go ahead and bring on the great Maria Connor. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. I'm, I'm, we need some clapping here, right? Right? I need to get yeah. that sound effect in at that point. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me. This is amazing. I am so excited to learn more about your incredible book and your incredible show. Yes. It's a brilliant story. A brilliant story. So why don't, the stories are are similar. So why don't we start by having you tell us a bit about what Girl Shock from Straight to Fabulous to Naughty is about. Yes. Well, there's actually a subtitle called I Dressed as a Girl for Halloween and then she took over my life. So I think that pretty much describes what my book is about. So when I thought about the title, I thought Girl Shock would be memorable. Plus I like the word shock because it was a shock becoming, going from male to female. But when people ask what it's about, yes, that is true. I actually dressed as a girl for Halloween and she actually took over my life. (laughs) But what actually happened was I got divorced. I was was living out in the suburbs of San Francisco and I was married to a woman. I was a man married to a woman. And when we got divorced, I moved into San Francisco, a block away from a transsexual bar called Divas. And within 36 hours, I was down there hanging out as a woman because Halloween was coming up and I never came back. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. And I told the whole story in excruciating detail, which I actually labeled in the book as sorted details. I have sections of the book, sorted details. If you really want to know what it was like to go from straight to queer, you have to read the sorted details, but you don't have to, to get the story. And then all of the San Francisco nightlife, I have tons of videos and pictures. I had a show called Under the Golden Gate, which we used to film at the kink.com armory, the headquarters of kink.com. We had celebrities on the show. We had local celebrities. We had local personalities, drag queens, all kinds of LGBT people. And I, all those videos are in the book. Yeah. With QR codes. Yes. I think that is so cool that your book contains QR codes, almost like a great way to interact with your story. Yeah. Because I talk about meeting so many fabulous people. Well, I, you know, forget about me. Let's listen to them. Yeah. You know, I just gave you the intro, you know? And when I moved there, you know, imagine me moving from like, I hate to say it, the boring suburbs. We all know the suburbs are not as exciting as the city. Moving from the boring suburbs, everybody on my street was white, I think. They talked about wine, you know, like I lived on a golf course, you know. It was just totally suburbia. And then like, you know, all of a sudden I'm meeting like all these people who are alive. You know, I mean, like that's just the best way to say it. I was like, I fucking love hanging out with these people. You know, and then I started videoing them as my show. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So how did you come up with the idea to take your story, write it down as a book, and then 
put it up on its feet as a show. <clears throat> yeah. So I was always like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a musician. That's really what I am. You know, you can probably tell in my sort of, I, I emote emotions everywhere. So, so I, uh, so I really was a musician. And so I always, I wanted to create a musical. I've always been a musicals, right? I'm like a hybrid. I'm like Mr. Spock, a hybrid. I'm trans. I'm a hybrid. I loved musicals when I was a kid, but I wasn't like a musical junkie. I just really liked the flair, but I was also a rock and roller, you know? Right. And so I always wanted to create a rock opera like Tommy, you know, like the who, like, you know, it's the, you know, Townsend had a real appreciation of the theater. He was a dancer. Right. Paul McCartney. I loved Honey Pie and, you know, your mother should know. And like he would just enter. I just love that amalgam of jazz rock and like the flair of show tunes. So so I really I say I wrote a musical, you know, a while ago and it was hard getting it produced. Until I translated it into, and then I decided to write a book. And then when I translated it into, you know, the similar, the musical theme about, the, you know, the heart and the ego, the male and the female, the yin and the yang, I realized, well, that's kind of what's going on with me. So after I wrote the book, I realized, because writing a book was easier than getting a musical produced, right? That's why I wrote the book first. Then, then somebody said, you should make that into a musical. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just take the music I already have and kind of adopt some of the ideas from it. And so that's how it came about. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And I had all the a lot of the music written. Like, for example, my producer said, why don't you just, you know, we need a, like, a, like a title song, like a poppy title song. And he goes, I said, well, I wrote this like stupid song. And he's like, I played it for me. That's perfect. And I'm like, well, that's like a silly song. And he goes, that's a perfect song. Yeah. And it's my, the title of my song, Girl Shock. I wrote a song, Girl Shock, you know? Girl Shock, I'm tired of being all alone. I got me Girl Shock and had more fun than I'd ever, ever known. And when I go out in the city and I feel... You get the idea. It's like, it's like with the musicians and everything. So so we've got... I'm, I play piano, guitar, and sing, and I've got a fantastic Saxon trumpet player. And Jackson Sturkey is my partner in this. And he was really instrumental in me getting this to, to, to production. Guy I met here a year and a half ago. Now, kind of going with that, I, I would love to know more about what it's been like developing this, this, this musical, this great musical, and who you've been developing it with. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what I did was I had the idea of developing a musical. And I started sketching out ideas. But that's when I was in San Francisco, right? So what happened was about a year and a half ago, I said, you know, I'm going to leave San Francisco because it's too expensive. It's it's disgusting. And it's unfortunately culturally dead. And I need to go where there's entertainment. There's only three obvious places, LA, Vegas, and New York. Well, New York is too expensive. I can't stand the humidity. I'm originally from here. I'm not moving back. I want to move on to something else. I hate LA. <laughs> Nothing more said. I love visiting it, but I don't want to live there. It takes too long to get anywhere. Vegas, I'm thinking Vegas. Like, you know, it's cheap. I can I go to Vegas. I'm like, I can make this work. I visited Vegas. Let me go to New York just 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 to check it out. Man, I got here. I was just every night was just getting better and better. The first night out, I I went to, to a club coming and I didn't know anybody there. Next thing you know, I'm up on the stage, like playing piano, right? And I'm like, oh. That was pretty quick. It took 20 minutes. Then they invited me to go back there on Monday. for th They had a theater night there. I'm like, well, I don't really know a lot of theater songs. I, know I thought I'd play something from like, I have a dirty version of Matchmaker. Tinder and Grinder, make me a match. I was going to do that. <laughs> so I get there 
And it's Sondheim night, right? This is right after Sondheim died. And I was like, um, I don't know any Sondheim music. I mean, I like theater, but I'm not like really deeply into it. I don't know Sondheim. But I thought to myself, oh, I do know one Sondheim song. Sooner or later that Madonna sang in the movie Dick Tracy. Sooner or later you're gonna be mine. So I played that one and I just hammed it up. I just put blues licks in it. I was just going off on the piano. I did a honky tonk middle part and just tore it up on stage because I didn't really know Sondheim. This guy taps me on the shoulder goes, you had the best show to song tonight. Sondheim, because everybody was playing Sondheim. And I'm like, well, I don't really know Sondheim. I was just kind of, I, I felt bad. I'm just, just kind of hacking through it. Did I do a good job? He goes, you were the best one here. And because you don't know Sondheim, probably, because I was doing it in a totally different style, right? And it turns out that was this guy named Jackson Sturkey. He bought my book, right? And he's been living in New York for eight years. Fantastic singer, great songwriter. And I told him I had this idea of coming up with a musical. And he like read my book like five times, started taking notes about it. And he goes, I only work on like three projects at once. And I want to help you take this to Broadway because you're gonna, I think you're going to do it. And I was like, oh, maybe. I bet. And then like, then I started gigging the rest of the week. And next thing I'm like, I better move to New York, you know? And, and he's been like coming here twice a week. He's like dedicated, you know, all because I played that Sondheim song that I didn't know that well. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And I, and I love the fact that he's more, he's a definite theater guy. Right. But I'm a rock and roll guy, girl, she's a rock and roll girl. and guy. But I also love like Steely Dan and jazz. So he, it's really fun. Like, you know, writing the music was so easy with a partner. Like I had this song, I was working on a bridge or a chorus for years. I just couldn't do it. I played him the song. I said, do you think maybe you could do something? Could you sing this one? And we're singing it. And he just immediately says, well, what about like a breast? I don't need a bridge. And he just started humming something. I said, oh, I like where you're going with that. Like immediately I could see where he was going. I just needed the door to be open. And then I'd say, okay, we're going to go to a, a, you know, a fourth here. We're going to switch over to a minor. Oh, and I see there's a whole different. And I went and I finished the song in like 20 minutes. I was trying for five years. <laughs> you just needed that one person. You were just, just one ingredient. And vice versa. He had a song and he's like, I need a bridge. And I go, what about, let's go to a G minor seven here. And I do a B flat add too. Sounds like a kind of, and he goes, oh my God. Like, you know, I kind of like, so it's really having a collaborator is just a fantastic way to do this. You know, especially with somebody like his talent. He's a great singer. I'm more of a rock and roll singer. He's a theater singer. And when I when I heard him sing one of my original songs that I, I couldn't sing very well, a ballad, I just melted. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That. So now yeah. is this upcoming performance at Pangea on the 23rd and 24th of June, is this a world premiere of the show? Or yeah, yeah. What it is is it's a sneak preview. So, okay. so what's happening is that we're we're we still don't have the whole script complete, right? But a musical it really is about the songs, right? And stitching them together into a narrative. And we have the narrative, but we don't have all the dialogue and all the production. So what we've done is figured it be we want to make it so it's made for Broadway, right? So an hour and forty five minutes without intermissions, maybe something like that. So we the first show we did March fourth was just a sneak was a sneak preview. Right? It was a one an hour, 15 minute show at Pangea. I love the Pangea people. They're so much fun. So easy to work with them. Great food. Right. And so I just wanted to see if it would work. 
So I figured let's do a couple of sneak reviews. The second one's at the end of June, but the first one in March, which we sold out, by the way, was just seeing if people would be, like want to hear original music. You know, it was ma mainly centered around me, Maria. And Jackson played me as a man, the dude. And we created a cool dynamic, but I kind of made him into a punching bag. I didn't really develop the dude that much. So at the end, when I asked him, should I burn the dude or should I remain both a man and a woman? And they all said, burn him. And I was like, oh shit, nobody's like rooting for the dude. I was kind of hoping at least, you know, a quarter of the people would root for him. This is no contest. I got to beef up the dude. So now the next sneak preview is the end of June, where we're going to introduce not only more of the dude, but the villain mm. with all his songs. And then once to see how that works out, then we do a workshop over the summer, then the full production of first run, like a very first quick and dirty run, maybe in December or in early next year. Very cool. So this, yeah. this has got legs. It's starting to get up and run. Uh, yeah, I'm putting together a budget. I have a director. This so we're going for it, baby. I got. I'm on a mission here. This is amazing. We are getting on the ground floor of this. I. Love this is brand new. Yep. So, what is the message or thought you hope that your audiences take away from all of this? That's a good question. That's an important question. To me, life was always art. Like to me, art was real. Like when I was in heavy metal, it's because it was like Black Sabbath. I they taught me about war. I was, I'm not into like, let's party all night and have sex. That's not my thing. The message is really important to me. The message I, I think I want to I want to give is that that we all have the power to be the person we want to be, love the people we want to love, and and meet a wide diversity of people. I think the average person is a good person. They want to meet people who are unusual. They're just afraid to because they've been programmed. They're afraid to be curious. There are so many people... Like, think about trans, like what, what I am. There are so many different kinds of trans people. People are trans for so many different reasons, many of which the average person can relate to. I'm trans mainly because I can't stand straight dating. I fucking hate online dating. I hate the dating rituals. It's so much easier for me to be a girl and hook up with guys than to be a guy and hook up with girls. Either one's fine with me. I mean, if I'm hooking up with a guy, I got to be stoned, right? right? And drunk, right? But I can still do it, right? I'm trans because, because the, the, I just couldn't relate to the, because of how I grew up. I grew up overseas. I couldn't relate. To, so I'm trans for reasons that a lot of people, straight people can relate to. So I really want people to see a trans person or a gay person or even, a, you know, or somebody, you know, even a college professor as somebody who's a lot more deep than they appear to be. You know, and if you're curious, you know, don't be afraid. Yeah, you know, there's so much diversity to celebrate. There's so many exciting things to discover, and you know, you want to. Yes, right. I, and I feel like this is such. I, I feel like, and and forgive me, and let me know if I've crossed the line. But I, yeah, the trans people that I have in my life also seem to be that some of the happiest people because they're their most authentic and true selves. They know who they are. They know what they want to be. And they're just, they love themselves. And yeah. I'm, yeah. That is, I would, I want that. I don't want to yeah, competing yeah. with anything else. I just want to love who I am and be who I am. And I'm like, what, what courage and what strength did it take to get there? I admire them. And it, it breaks my heart that the way our society treats trans the trans community and i'm like are we just 
jealous that 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 community has been able to discover the path to being happy and being genuine and authentic. Is that really what we're all about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're we're afraid of it because maybe we feel we didn't do the same or, right. or that somebody's going to judge us. I remember the first time I saw a trans woman, right? I, I lived I lived overseas when I was a kid. My father was a travel wholesaler. So most where I grew up in suburban New Jersey, most kids' parents were stockbrokers, lawyers. My father was a travel wholesaler. So he ran safaris, right? So I lived in, in London and I spent a lot of time in Africa, right? And I remember when I was in London, I saw a trans woman when I was like 10 years old and I immediately got it. You know, my first thought was, fuck yeah, good for you, show them. I saw strength, I saw courage. I saw, you know, trans people, like you said, you, you don't have the same fundamental view of trans people. They're, they're courageous, they're motivated, they're creative, you know, and uh, they're certainly not boring, right? I mean, why wouldn't you want to meet somebody like that? And if you're trans, you're immediately going to have to be somebody who's courageous. It takes so I much mean, strength to be a trans person. It does. In this world that we live in, it does. They are the strongest people I know. They and you're right, you know. I really, maybe I can even amend my message. I want people to see trans people and people who do something different as strong and interesting and courageous. And, and it doesn't matter if they're trans or black or gay or lesbian or, you know, or, you know, whatever, a boring lawyer that you think is boring, but actually does kink on the side or whatever. I don't know. You know I mean? I think uh, there's so much to celebrate. And mm -hmm. that's why I think if, it would be nice to see Broadway, uh, you know, on the fringes, bringing in more of these stories. I'm seeing like these shows that are not classically produced. It's, I don't mean classics, but but have a you know have like a, like a, like a hip hop edge or have have a met, heavy metal edge or a rock edge, you know. Because in my case, it's a jazz rock album. This is a perfect lead into my final question of this first half, which is, who do you hope have access to your show? Well, certainly everybody, right? You know, to see. I, which is hard, which is a bad answer, right? So, but let me, let me tell you what my thoughts are, is that I think that that I really want to educate and inspire people by entertaining them, right? Because I'm telling the truth, right? I think I think straight people probably can get more out of, out of this than even queer people in the sense that every straight, what percentage of straight people are curious? They have a friend, they're curious themselves. They want to dress as a girl for a night. They want to do something for a night. And I think that if you just just relieve the pressure, you're going to see so much change in people. Then you have people who are questioning uh, as well, or people who are who who are, who are starting their journey. And I, I really want it to be accessible to everybody. But I, you know, how do I make it accessible to everybody? You know, accessible. What does that mean? That people can come to my show. Of course, anybody can come to New York and come to my show. But not everybody can come to New York. That's why I wrote the book, right? That's why I have a podcast. Sure, I'd, I'd love for this thing, you know, to make it a Broadway and we go, you know, go on tour. I would love to go on tour and do my little troupe, which I can do because I work at home. I work remotely. So I really want everybody to see this.
our second part of our interviews, we love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more. I feel like we've been doing that the whole time, which is amazing. I am loving this conversation. Oh, good. Yeah. And I can't wait to to hear more answers from you about these questions. And I'm going to start asking you, what inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows, for instance, inspire you or some of your favorites? Yeah. So if I think back, like when I was a child, I mean, I think like a lot of things inspired us the most simply because we were children. Right. You know, and I was not into show tunes that much, but there were a few that just I just loved. I loved Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Just because mixing music with a message, you know, again, think of what he said at the end, you know, which is the whole debate. I just loved it. It was such good music. I loved Fiddler on the Roof. Right. Because I was a kid. And it wasn't so much the main songs. It was like miracles, 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 miracles. God, if you want to show somebody you love them, you sing them a song. Like as a kid, I just, just, I loved musicals. Even though I wasn't a musical person, you know, I love when you're like a, you know, rocker like I was, but you're kind of just, you kind of just love that musical flair. There's just nothing like it. Like when Paul McCartney would do, let's all get up and dance to a song that was a hit before your mother was born. Like, you know, your mother should know when Pawnee Pie, you know, like, and Lennon hated that stuff, but I loved when he did that. When you could do Helter Skelter one day and do Honey Pie, you know, the, the next moment, you know? When you could write a musical, for me now, you know, if, when I see musicals or shows where you can go from jazz to heavy metal, when you're putting it out there and you're showing how your heart is jazz and your grit is heavy metal and everything in between, I am really inspired when people do that. Very cool. Yeah. Well, being that you're here in New York, have you seen any great theater or any shows that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I see mostly, I only saw, I've only seen two Broadway shows since I've been here. Plaza Suite with Matthew Broderick and, and, and Sour Jessica Parker. I don't think it's playing anymore, but. I really loved just seeing them because I'm such a big fan of his. And I saw Oliver. That was good, but it was a limited release. So I really haven't seen that many shows. The things that I have seen that I really love is I, I love live music. Like at the Bitter End every Monday at 1030, Richie Kanata, uh, Billy Joel's original sax player, has, has and I jam with them periodically. It's an open mic. Anybody can come in there and, and, and jam with just the most incredible musicians. Your jaw will drop. Like the, the just the people get up and play with them. Just absolutely fantastic. I like going to Birdland. I played at Birdland a few times at Jim Caruso's cast party show. It's incredible because it's a Monday nights. Broadway's closed. A lot of people from Broadway go there on Monday nights and they'll even try things out. And the level of talent and the diversity, it's mostly more more jazz oriented. And then downstairs, Susie Mosher has a show Tuesday night, which is a little more a little more edgy. But again, and all both on giant grand pianos. So I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. And don't tell mama they great piano bar there. Yeah. Yeah. Seems yeah. like you've got all the hookup for the live music scene here in New York. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? I think, especially in New York City, people are really dedicated to the craft. They're, they're interested. If I talk about a deep idea, like something that's bothering me, I want to put into music, they'll actually listen. Like, as you know, in New York, so being around people who are so talented and they love performing, 
Um, there are so many creative people. They have so many great ideas. And of course they like to party too. <laughs> but it's just, and I, and I I'd always like that about theater people, but in San Francisco, you didn't get the same level of dedication just because I think New York is New York. These are people who have given up things. I know, like, for example, Jackson said to me, he's he, he, he's living, you know, tightly because he, he just wants to do this full time as much as he can. And being around people who are so talented and, and so motivated, it, it gives me, it makes me, it validates what I'm doing. Hmm. You know? You know? And I get great ideas and I can draw on people and I can help them. And I feel like every day I'm alive, I'm like, I want to get up in the morning. It felt so dead when I was in San Francisco, sadly. Yeah. I love that though. I love that mm. that that New York has given you that spark. Well, we have now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, which is what is your favorite theater memory? My favorite theater memory. Well, I guess there's being in the theater and putting on a show, right? Putting on a show. It was definitely at the kink.com armory. We used to shoot at the kink.com armory, which was corporate. It wasn't dirty, but it had a kink edge. And, and, and seeing the celebrity, like we had a tonight show, essentially it's a kink tonight show of San Francisco. And just seeing, we had celebrities on there, you know, a couple of celebrities and just seeing how excited everybody was to meet them and to have, bring in their A game and how normal, like one of them in particular was, right? One of the Go-Go's, Jane Wheeling from the Go-Go's, right? She, she was so fucking cool. And to see, uh, you know, with the life, from the perspective of somebody who's just like us, you know, and like to share these, like, I, like we asked her questions. How did like, Justin Bieber gets so famous so quickly. Like we asked her that question and she goes, I don't know. <laughs> like when I was younger, like, and we're like just hanging with her. It was like, and just to see so many talented people, be so excited to do that. And just, just putting that on in an audience, I would definitely say when I saw Annie in London, when I was a kid, I wasn't really in the theater. I saw Annie and I just love the majesty of the theater. And I also saw my first trans woman there when I was 10 years old. And when I, like I mentioned earlier, when I saw her, you know, I was in a theater, it was very elegant, you know, just, 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 she, she was so courageous. And like I said before, when I was a kid and I saw that and I was like, yeah, you show them girl. Good for you. Right. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. So it just, just seeing the trans woman and, and being in a theater at Piccadilly Circus, you know, it's just so European. I don't know. <laughs> you know? I love those though. Those are that those are great memories. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing those. Yeah, it's weird because I don't think of myself as a theater person, but I love the theater. Like I don't think I'm not a deadhead, but I love the Grateful Dead. But I can't quote all their songs. But they were a big influence on me, but I wasn't a deadhead. Do you know what I mean? I feel the same way with the theater. You know, I love metal, I love rock, but theater is, you know, you just gotta have this theater flair. Certain things you just gotta go to theater. Yes. The yeah. Beatles wouldn't have been the same if McCartney didn't have a theater spin, if you didn't have Maxwell's Silver Hammer and, and Honey Pie and, and all those, you know, Martha, my dear, and all those Blackbird came from his love of classical music. You know, there's so much of mixing to be done. You know? Yes. So do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Yeah, sure. So the ones that the ones that we already talked about, let me just summarize. And one is I'm going to be a uh, Pride weekend, June 23rd, 24th, 9 p.m. 
I think 9.30. Is it 9? Doors at 9. Doors at 9. 9.30 show. At Pangea in the village. I'll be doing the second sneak preview of my musical based on my book, Girl Shock. I dressed as a girl for Halloween, but then she took over my life. And we'll be, we're doing an hour and 15 minutes, so just a subset of the show. Introducing the villain, the culture virus that attacked me when I was a man and turned me into a girl. And then more on me as a man, the dude. And then we'll be workshopping that over the summer and doing a full production, like an initial run, very, very low budget, probably in this November, December. De- September 9th, the Coquettes are going to be uh, at Joe's Pub. I think it's at 9.30. Information's on my website, mariaconnor.com with a K. And the Coquettes are a, are a troupe in San Francisco that are just have all original music, just fantastic costumes. We're, they're bringing San Francisco to New York. And it's going to be so much fun. And there's about eight of them in the cast. They're going to be there at, uh, at, at Joe's Pub. And then I'll be at Don't Tell Mama the next day, 9.30, uh, doing a show there. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then much, much more to come. But for Much the- more. I'm, I'm always out doing stuff. Like I'm out at the bitter end very often. I play at Don't Tell Mama's, sing a lot, but sometimes play piano there. You know, I'm at Club Cummings a bunch. Yeah, so I'll just go to my website. And that's perfect because I was about to ask if our listeners want more information about Girl yep. Shop or about you. Maybe they want to reach out to you. How can they do that? You did mention your website, mariaconnor.com. Are there any yeah. other ways that they might be able to get information? Yeah, yeah. So from there, you'll find everything else. But we all have our social media preferences. So you'll find my YouTube channel on there, which is mariaconnor.com, which actually points to other uh, other YouTube, YouTube channels as well. So for example, under the golden gate.com, which you'll find the link there is all the work I did in San Francisco above the queue is another YouTube channel. You'll find links on my website with some local performers I'm filming. And then I'm also, I, I, I spend a lot of time on Instagram and I blog on medium. So my main, I don't do Twitter much. So basically, and Facebook. So basically YouTube, Facebook, medium, and Twitter and Instagram. And they're all Maria Connor with a K. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Maria, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and for sharing this incredible story, this great book, this great show, just everything. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andrew, so much. And and just, you know, hearing about it from your point of view, who's, you know, angled in the theater and just to see where we overlap, you know, it's really amazing when you have, you know, an overlap of of this beautiful art, traditional art form, you know, theater is just fantastic. You've got a great thing. You've got a wonderful thing. And I'm so excited to see it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much as well. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Take care. My guest today has been the performer Maria Connor, whose new show, or I guess second sneak preview, is based on her recent book, Girl Shock. I dressed as a girl for Halloween, but then she took over my life. You can get the book right now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, or on her website. And you need to come out for her show Friday and Saturday, June 23rd and 24th at 9.30 p.m. at Pangea here in New York. We will be letting you know when Stage Whisper will be in attendance so you can make it a Stage Whisper night out at the theater. But this is a wonderful show, some incredible music. And you're going to want to say you were there because this is the ground level of an upcoming huge production. So get in on it on Girl Shock. I dressed as a girl for Halloween, but then she took over my life. More information at mariaconnor.com. We're going to be posting that on our episode description and on our social media. And we'll see you at Girl Shock June 23rd and 24th.
So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisperer. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.